0: Santa Cruz. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm Christopher Carr. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. My guest this evening is Jimmy Devine. He's been involved in cannabis reform since 2005 and worked in the Berkeley Cannabis Industries since 2009, when he moved to California from Lynn, Massachusetts. Currently serving as the cannabis columnist and critic for the LA Weekly, you can also find his writings on cannabis products and policy in the San Francisco Chronicle, The Village Voice, The Boston Globe, The Hill, The Chronicle of Higher Education, Cannabis Now, Marijuana.com, High Times, Irvine Weekly, Weed Maps News, 7x7 Magazine, The East Bay Express, Leafly, Civilized, Thrillist, and Ed Rosenthal's book, This Buds for You. Jimmy is one of the main journalists in the world, covering the top shelf flower market, and he has a BA in Journalism and Media Studies from Franklin Pierce University. Welcome to the Cannabis Connection. What's up, Jimmy?
1: What's good, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I I am fantastic. I like to chat. Yeah, give thanks. Tell the people, uh, where in the world are you joining us from? Uh, I am based in Berkeley, uh, still. Um, Yeah, still at the dispensary a bunch of days a week, and then I write in the afternoon. It's a super good time.
0: Righteous, man. Righteous. And um, you were just uh, down south, right? You were part of that uh, moderation at the Emerald Cup,
1: and can you speak to that and that transition? Oh, yeah, it's just fascinating. So I first, like, I've been going to the Cup. Uh, I started going the first year it moved to Santa Rosa when I was, you know, it was it was tough for me to get up to Area 101 in the Mateo Center back in the day. Uh, I was thinking you know, a lowly bud tender. Uh, so I basically, as soon as it moved to Santa Rosa, I was like, well, I'm never missing that. Like, it was like a t- totally different animal. It's an hour away. So uh, I started going a bunch of years ago as it started to kind of get normalized in the build up to Prop 216. Started covering the judging in '18 for LA Weekly, and then I started judging myself. Uh, first, I, I did BH, uh, BHO for a year in 2019, and now these past two cups, I've been on the list team. So it's been fascinating to watch the transition from like the heart. You know, Area 101 is the heart of Mendocino. Yeah, make no mistake about it. Uh, it's right, right there on the highway, like the main highway for the whole Emerald Triangle, for everything from that goes uh, north or south from Arcata. you got to drive by Area 101. So it was like a community staple. Uh, and eventually, you know, it just outgrew it because, you know, it, as cannabis grew, um, what it meant to have the best cannabis in the Emerald Triangle grew. Uh, and so, you know, they, they kept growing and growing, got to Santa Rosa, part of the goal, I believe, for the move to L.A., uh, you know, it was to try and introduce the best farmers in the world to the biggest cannabis market in the world in a more direct way, uh, create as much value for them as possible during these difficult times. Because even though, you know, California has the best cannabis in the world, a lot of people um, aren't making it right now. It, it's tough times in the industry. So the idea of introducing these people with their backs against the wall to the biggest market possible, is, you know, makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh it, it's uh it's a really interesting shift, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense and and uh you, you've been you've been in it. You've been in it for quite some time. I had uh we share a mutual friend uh, Jason of Equilibrium, Jason Mathis.
1: Oh, I love Jason. Me and Jason met in uh 2006, I want to say. Maybe you no, know, me and Jason probably my 2007 at uh the SSDP conference they did at Georgetown Law. And he's just a gem. We moved out not too far apart. I moved out here and went to CBCB. He moved out here and went to uh, work at Harborside for a little bit. And, you know, obviously spread his wings uh, pretty early. Start, went down to Santa Cruz with a major force, obviously, and everything you guys did down there before we headed north. Uh, and it's, it's just it's such a great soul. And, you know, it's people like him. We talk, I know I just mentioned all the people that haven't made it, but you see people as dedicated as jason is and it's it's easy to understand why he's still in the mix
0: yeah well it's a labor of love Uh, i remember those days of uh his seed packs were all hand hand drawn and uh man and and the amount of miles he puts in come springtime and and it's just uh it's it's a it's a beautiful beautiful pursuit and calling that he's he's living and, uh, in many ways, it's, it's, it's really neat to, to, to know you both, too, because in, you, you, you're covering this. You're bringing life to it. You're, you're, can you speak to your, your background in journalism and, and covering the cannabis beat, uh, and still working? I, I, I really think it's an amazing thing to continue to work where the people are, uh, at, at the shop. I've certainly put in times on the floor and, and I imagine, you know, can you speak to the transition of a post-POP 64? Uh, era.
1: Yeah, you know there was. It's just a lot different than it was. You know, there's a lot of, there's so many different lenses that you can look at it from. Right. Let me get the. Positive. I don't want to sound like a total mo. So I'll get the positive one out the way first, and then we'll go over all the bummer stuff. Uh, <laughs> fourteen thousand people a year, or excuse me, fourteen thousand less people a year in California, are getting locked up for weed stuff. Okay. So we get that once we get, once we get, well, okay, yeah, that is beautiful. No one's saying otherwise. Now, once we get past that, once you get past the criminal justice aspect of Proposition 64, that some would call successful, and that's a fair fair point. I mean, you could get into the semantics of are certain processes happening fast enough in every place and all that. But when it comes down to brass tacks, most of the positive stuff uh, that happened, uh, post-Prop 64 was on the criminal justice side. So then you take it to the next step. The next important thing to remember is Propos- as Proposition 64 was in the pipeline, the medical marijuana reg- uh, regulations were too. No matter what happened on election night 2016, uh, the Medical Marijuana Research and Safety Act was going to go into effect. But the voters passed their will, and so following election night, Proposition 64 and these state regulations were merged. In that process, wherever the will of the voters, uh, you know, s- s- spoke to something directly, it always outweighed whatever the legislator put in the, the medical marijuana reg- uh, regs. But there was a lot of places that things weren't in uh, Prop 64. So def- by, by default, whatever it said, uh, in the medical regulations, carried the most weight. In that process, you also had probably the biggest controversy of Prop 64. That was when uh, the ability to stack cultivation licenses became like it, it was blocked It was blocked at first, and somehow, in the merger of uh, Prop 64 and the medical marijuana regulations, that that. Uh, mechanism that was supposed to protect small farmers through 2023, off I believe off the top of my head, um, was wasn't there anymore. And then you saw immediately these mega grows start uh, crashing because you got there's a lot of people growing a lot of good pot, but there are these giant facilities flooding the market with uh, a lot of people just don't want. And uh, so and at these dirt dirt prices. And even though nobody wants it, just because there's so much cheap stuff out there, it brings down the wider value to the market, unless you're one of these lucky people that might be, like, playing an old hook you've had for 20 years on the East Coast. But nobody wants to do that for the whole point of this. Is trying, you're trying to go legal.
0: Amen. Yeah, big time. Or, or Go and become legit. Build something. Build a legacy, Right.
1: Sad how many people are like jumping back and onto that side of the fence or playing both sides of the fence, not by choice, by uh, survival, you know, by survival, by survival mechanism. Uh, But uh, hopefully, this, you know, we just had the trailer bill pass. We have a lot of stuff in there that was asked for. There's a bunch of stuff that wasn't too, and it's not perfect. But like stuff like the cultivation tax, uh, getting rid of that and transition it into a weirder equity, a weirder. Uh, excise tax over the next few years and stuff like and you know that's that's better off for the farmer. That's more survivable. Put it on the retail guy. Most agriculture uh, stuff, that, the excise tax is on the retail end. So like, let's just line it up uh, with that. And you know, just generally speaking, the most important thing we can do is learn from the failures of California. Amen. So the, the, yeah. The fal- cautionary the, the, tale. The fal- yeah, but the failures is only going to happen once, right? Because most like. All this cultivation that we see right now east of the Sierra are just temporary blips on the radar. It's all just quick cash until eventually, like a decade from now, federal legalization happens. Everything's super normalized. And just like, you know, you grow potatoes in in Iowa, you you grow oranges in Florida, you grow cranberries in Massachusetts. Where do you think people are going to grow cannabis?
0: Yeah, of course. California. Yeah, of
1: course. Exactly. So so it's just a quick general. Most of this cultivation stuff is just a quick cash grab right now. And I get it and it's, it's money to be made and I understand why people are doing it, but it's sad to see like stuff like equity programs get caught up in like hyper semantics about cultivation when there isn't going to be value for that cultivation in a decade anyway, when they should just be express landing uh, retail permits as fast as possible because that's going to be the level of the marketplace. that's going to be easiest to, to carve The the biggest chunk of the pie as a small small operator, uh, you know, because a lot of the a lot of the best pot that's going to be grown 10 years from now isn't going to be grown by these mega operators. It's going to be dudes with a few hundred lights, but they're going to have more demand for their product than ever. So it's going to be these interpersonal relationships between little guy, the little guy that end up creating, like, the boutique marijuana stores of the future. And then we'll have, you know, our Targets and all that, too, and our Whole Foods with only Sun Grown Organic and all that. But it's just, it's all going to be a relationship game over the next decade and super fascinating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So is that what, in your opinion, the interstate commerce piece is
1: going to be the, the savior here, or where was the medicine? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually, um, <clears throat> I apologize. I don't remember the bill number off the top of my head. But there's a bill in Sacramento right now. And the uh, language of the bill essentially empowers whoever the governor of California is to go into an agreement with one or more states to create, you know, viable mechanisms uh, for interstate cannabis commerce. Now, the Catch-22 is part of that bill is also, you know, if you mail your trim to California and you mail it back as a product, it has to meet California standards. So I, no, I know stuff like that's going to wow. people out. yeah. The idea of, like, mailing frozen material out of states so you can have someone – so you can mail your fresh frozen somewhere where um, the minimum wage is half of California or whatever. Like we just went up – literally today went up to uh, $16.99 in Berkeley. So imagine you're making hash in Berkeley and the minimum wage is there, and then you have this uh, – not that you know, not the type of Berkeley characters would be the type to do this, but just saying, just as an example. <laughs> sure. You, you, have all, you have all this fresh frozen material. You mail it to whatever state makes an agreement with Gavin. Uh, gets washed there at, at, at a lower rate than paying some dude uh, here in California to do a well. But then again, washing hash in itself is a skill-based thing. It's not just you can't just pull a guy off the street and give him some ice in a paddle. So, yes, an art. It's certainly in art form. You, you judge solvent
0: lists. Can you speak to that a little bit? I'm, I, I love what we're what we're talking about, but I'm, I'm also curious about these
1: recent developments in uh, your, your palate. Well, you know it's uh, a lot of the salt in this game revolves around commercial viability uh, most of the time and then you get into like the personally use stuff and the people making hash from the stuff they grew in their yard and you get all, all that kind of weird exotic stuff so it was fun I think the funnest part about the emerald Cup was uh, that kind of diversity because whatever you're dealing in this, you're gonna deal with a lot of papaya you're gonna deal with a lot of GMOs uh, you're gonna deal with A lot of things that are crossed to those things just to try and give that other terpene profile a little bit more commercial viability you know you wish everyone could wash skittles but one percent is one percent when you talk about the the that i'm saying you know one percent of the material weight ends up hash uh so and you end up with something like a GMO that washes at like four or five percent, it's easy to understand why everything tastes the same. <laughs> <laughs> they go with what works, right? Is that what you're speaking to? Yeah, to an extent, yeah. It's it just they just go with what works for their pocket, and I get it. But it's tragic to see. Uh, it's tragic we don't see more diverse flavor profiles in solventless. And at the same time, as solventless has taken over, BHO has really fallen off. Yeah. Uh, the world, the world champ. Used to get like thirty bucks a gram wholesale for for a gram of their material, of a gram of their hatch. and they clo they just stopped doing BHO recently because the buyers were trying to get it from them for twelve. And this is someone that, that won every contest you could win a few times, and they were just like, I can't, you know, it just wasn't commercially viable to them anymore, and they decided to focus on flour and solventless. Wow, and that, that's a tragedy. So now not only are on the solventless side are we being pigeonholed but the whole you know be on the BHO side where you're talking about all these different terpene profiles and plant expressions that you can't simply wash uh you know people that are the best at it are moving on because it's just not commercially viable so it's like for the it's like it's a great time for hash but it's a weird time for hash too wow. and it's important to just like celebrate the people that do it well i'm in the midst right obviously uh 710 is coming up. That's the big hash holiday. If you flip the date upside down, it spells out oil. And uh, so I'm currently – I did a big piece for High Times with Royal Key Organics, and that's that's on newsstands right now. That, that was the main hashy feature for their 710 issue. They had some other cool stuff in there too. Uh, but right now I'm working on the LA Weekly 710 issue, and I'll file all this stuff on Friday, and it's just like so crazy to reflect every year on – how dynamic the change in the marketplace is, uh, who the new faces are, who may, you know. There's certain names you always expect to be at the top of the list when it comes to hash, like the Kalyas, the Humboldt Terp Councils, the Seven Ten Labs, uh, and then we're starting to see these other names kind of explode a bit more onto the scene. Hash and Flowers uh, had a giant year; they won uh, a contest I threw in Oakland last August. And they've been, you know, pretty much blown up all over the state ever since. And one of the, well, what their claim to fame was, they kind of had these candy turks. Like I said, everything's papaya and GMO now. So Hash and Flour has this strain called Honey Bananas. So there's only a couple guys on the, there's a few guys on the uh, other side of the fence that have it. But on the legal side, there's only uh, a couple guys. And only, I'm, I don't even know if the other guy's making hash, but. So the Hash and Flower gentleman started making Hash from this honey banana cut and it just it's the candiest Turks out there. It's so magical. And that has uh so seeing that company explode over the last year has been a pleasure. Uh and then, you know, the killers are killing. Frosties and there's there's a whole bunch. With the honey bananas, is it is it is
0: it banana forward or is it more that honey sweetness forward? I, bananas it's all are all candy. It's, it's candy. all candy. It's
1: all candy. It's a little banana. There's like you get the banana on it and you get the name, but it's such like it's more like this, a candy flavor. It's more of like a banana flavored candy bar than like a banana with sugar on top or something like that. You know? Yeah, but is it that
0: Laffy Taffy banana like an artificial or is it like a true fruit banana?
1: Oh, it's you know it's so sugar dominant that. It's hard to it's, – it's, the, the, the banana is a note on top of the sugar.
0: Wow, interesting. How cool. How cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear of in your experience because you, 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 I, I love that you're expressing the, the need for diversity. I, I, I'm in full solidarity of, of showcasing new uh, – and, and exploring new extremes too. What ter- profiles that you think are – important to maybe look out for in in your work and in in the in the scene as far as you know your journalism your coverage and and working with these different groups
1: well in general you know you got to remember a giant chunk of the commercially viable cannabis market uh went through Sherbinsky's grandmother's basement at some point uh in in the gelato process like and then you get then so there's so you get your san francisco dessert weed Probably the thing that had the biggest decade, right, and yeah. then you got then you cut up the pie chart the rest of the way from there, you see your great z's you're starting to see a lot more Wilson as uh Masonic continues to blow up, and you're starting to see people hunt more you, you know you, you get your k- random candy stuff from mendocino you're starting to see more root beer I love the root beer root beer g m o from skunk tech is a uh, one of the strain of the moments for me, for sure. Is that root beer and originally then, uh, from Mean Gene, or what's the root beer? Yeah, the Mean Gene. Yeah, it's the Mean Gene root beer. Um, and then Skunk Tech crossed it with uh, GMO, and it's Rockstar. That's nice. awesome. And I, I know I just compl- I know I just complained about all the GMO, but like, and and I'm I'm a GMO guy. I love GMO. I'm just saying, it's sad sometimes how 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 much of it there is comparatively. Yeah, so saturation. There's a, reason, there's a reason there's so much of it too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, a worker. But other terpene profiles, uh, you know, the ones I wish I saw more of. Uh, you know, we're starting to see more of it, but like they're not all they're not all up to snuff. And that's like candy gas. Uh, a lot of times you'll get you know the sugar with the fuel note, but like it's rare you get. The tickle your nose gas with sugar on top. Um, another, another pheno that I saw recently that I really liked was, uh, Royal Key Organics Red Pop. Uh, they went through a whole bunch of red pops from Exotic Genetics, all glorious. And just to like clarify for people, uh, Royal Key is like the hype. Back in 2017, they released their like 17 batches of, uh, BHO, beautiful sauce, and it just, exploded onto the market a few, uh, not long after they started releasing pucks of, uh, super high end flower, specifically Jason's MCON, uh, number eight, they, or MCON, they, they bought an MCON pack and the number eight, phenol is what they kept absolute rock star cannabis. And then, uh, another one was the grape Royale, which, uh, had some of Mandelbrot's rest in peace. Uh, royal Kush in it and though the so you know they are they are one of those mythical companies like when those pucks dropped in la that was it was some of the best most coveted cannabis in la people were were craving them uh and so those guys spent the last year they just stopped everything they were doing and um decided they were going to pheno hunt for a year uh find new everything just to re just to refresh the whole line and now oh, they, they we're starting to like we're starting to see these red popfinos, and that one smells like buttery popcorn with uh, cherry Kool Aid concentrate sprinkled on top of it. Whoa, so, whoa, crazy cool. combo! <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, 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 it really is that. Uh, and then ugh, I saw what else? oh, I really one of my favorite herbs right now that I, I'm always on a quest for. Is uh na- like nail polish remover terps? What? So what? That not, really like not that really that burn really your nostrils? Specific, like the really specific, not fuel smell, uh nail polish remover smell. So chemical, and, but, but it tickle- but it tickles, but it tickles your nose the same way like a gassy strain would. I see. It's just, it's it makes you salivate in is, a way. Every everything else is the same. Except it smells like nail polish instead of gas. And what what what, what lineage is that? developed? what kind of uh, what most, kind of the most parents recent, produce the most that? one, the most recent one I saw, uh, I believe, came from inside the RS line, uh, and that is has a lot of that has some OZK in it. it has a sonishet sherbert. The RS line is the backbone of uh, DP Stokely Farms. They just won. You know, one of the biggest names in the world right now in cannabis genetics, a uh, just won Olympics in collaboration with Wizard Trees uh, last month, and so you know one of the one of the top gardens on the planet. Uh, I got to check out a batch of their 580 two weeks ago, and that was the most re- that was the most recent thing I saw with it. Uh, and it kind of, um, and it was one of the better ones. I'm trying to remember. I saw another strain recently. Is that, where, where, where is this Olympics? Is that LA? Is this Bay that, area? Yeah, that's, uh, that's LA. And that, so that's hosted by green wolf. Green wolf is one of the most respected exotic, uh, dispensaries in the world. Basically. Uh, when it comes to like fine cannabis, green wolf green wolf has always been like a pillar of the community in Los Angeles when it comes to having the heat. So, yeah, I remember them at the like High that. Times Cups back in the day too. Yeah, they, they've been around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've been around for a long, long time, pre ICO, all that jazz. Uh, and, you know, they, they started doing the Olympics last year as the world opens up. They started, it got bigger. The first Olympics, I think, was like 300 people. Uh, and the world had kind of just opened up. And now, as. Things have gotten cooler and cooler in society. Uh, they've gotten bigger and bigger with it. I was, I was so thankful. I finally got to make it down uh, for the third one. I judged the first two, uh, but they send, the, but they did, would send the boxes up to me. Uh, it was funny. oh, that's first, nice. First, that's nice. Yeah, the first one they sent up. Uh, my they sent up me and Burner's box <laughs> together. And i was like, hey, Jimmy, can you get this to burn a kilo? i was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm with the homies. I'm like, yo, nobody's smoking this, okay? But thankfully, a, bu- <laughs> uh, thankfully a bunch of my – since it was coming anyway, a bunch of my friends bought the boxes and were just like, oh, can you send ours up at Jimmy's? And they were like, oh, sure. Yeah, and they, we, they just paid over the phone. So the the, temptations, the temptation wasn't there for anything to go to awry for me. <laughs> <laughs> of, of
0: all these uh, – well, uh- – you know, I, I want to hear a little bit about your event, too, and in, in, in this uh, events in general. I think this uh, post, well, we're still kind of in COVID, but this this coming out again and, 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 and seeing things, kind of the connection between L.A. and the Bay, you're kind of that living example, and uh, I'd love to hear about your event and, uh, you know, the thought process behind it and to facilitate those types of things and the process behind it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, like, the first thing going into uh, it was, like, I didn't want to ruin my J card. Uh, I didn't want to like do some party and then not be a journalist anymore because of like one you know people think I'm a sellout or something like that. And then kind of thought process there was, you know, a lot of people at high times threw the cannabis cup for 30 years. Nobody ever said they weren't a jan- they weren't journalists because they threw the cannabis cup. Why can't I like, you know why can't I do something with integrity? And if anyone wants to come at me, so be it. But I feel like as long as I started from that that baseline of in, integrity and who has the best pot, uh, you know, it, it would be pretty easy to figure out. So that was the plan. From there, uh, step two was I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, you know, I could do all this fun stuff, like pretty much all the major cannabis contests in California this year, I was a judge for. So <laughs> <laughs> You just tapped so, into the network. <laughs> so I, wanted make, I wanted to make sure I found my own lane and everyone else felt like it was my own lane. Uh, so I came to terms with this like one day challenge uh, in Vika. So much of it now, like as, Weeds gotten crazier. The contests have gotten crazier. They've gotten months long. They've, they've got the anal, all the analytical data is so much like the, the county fair. Nobody even smelled the pot before. The, or excuse me, the state fair. They nobody even smelled the pot before they decided who won. It was all solely based on analytical data this Whoa. year, which, which is completely wild and, and nuts to me. But I, I, I get the idea, I get the take out the the bias idea. Well, I'd rather uh, just put a bunch of trustworthy killers in the room. Uh, You know, Deep Blue lost a chess match. What if it just lost the county fair? You know? So (laughs) I'd rather have... I'd rather have a bunch of Grandmasters around the table telling me what the heat is.
0: <laughs> yeah, you need those Gandalfs. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I that's part of the magic of Area one oh one. I was blessed to to be a part of that. And it's a, it's a process too. I, I've done high times yeah, as well. And it's well like it's, 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 it's a long time.
1: Like it takes a while, yeah. So we we don't do obviously you're not doing six hundred entries. Uh but, you know, we, we get a bunch of killers. I try and start with a bunch of big dogs and then open it up to try and get some little names in there. And so one of the cool things has been um, at my event you've seen, uh, and, you know, shout-outs to everyone who's helped me put it on. Uh, Victor from Emerald Farm Tours helped me with a couple of them. Neil from Chroniculture hosted the first one at his house after the venue fell through. Uh, and then he is back to help me again. On this one for LA, uh, so huge giant shout outs to those guys. I wouldn't have been able to do it without, do it without them to the scale we're doing it now. Um, but so generally we get we, we cap it. Uh, I try, I think with the most we did flower wise it was like 14 or 15. But these you know these are pro judges like in eight like the the caliber of people I'm bringing in they can figure out what the best pod is in eight hours between those jars. Oh, yeah, vessels.
0: oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, I feel uh, like you're actually I, giving a generous amount of attention for 15 to 14.
1: Yeah, so there's plenty of time to think about it, debate it. It's a robust thing. At the end, everyone does a one, two, three. Uh, I use a board account method to score it. First point, uh, first place is worth five points. Second place is worth three. Third is worth one. And then, uh, the, the numbers tell the tale at the end. And then if anybody, uh, if in the event this time, and now that it's getting kind of crazy, I have to come up with these like scenarios. Uh, so one of the plans for the next one one is in the event a breeder of something is involved in judging, uh, it has to be, it has to win numerically without that breeder's vote. So like, Oh, they have to omit themselves. Yeah. So uh, what is that? That's say, like a it's like a council thing,
0: where you have so to for, remove yourself from from the pool. So we'll,
1: we'll say we're like this, right? The moster gets five points, right? So, say, you know, a famous breeder strain is in is in first place with the points, and I I have to subtract five points, and it's still in first place.
0: There you go. I see what you're saying.
1: And that way, that way, it provides enough. Like, if, if it wins, even negating that person's vote. Then it must have won.
0: Yeah, that's the real winner for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Special. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell the people the name of the event, too. I don't think we even said the name. Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry. The uh, the Trans Bay Challenge.
0: Yes, yes. So cool.
1: The original original idea back in the day when we started in uh, pre-pandemic 2019 was, you know, SF versus Oakland. And it was just so fun. It was like, you know, let's take the show on the road. Uh, and you know, people were like, kind of like joke about why is it called Transvae? Like now you know, but it's like, cause that's the vibe. Cause we want to, we want to yeah. bring that vibe that we, the vibe that we started in San Francisco, uh, with a bunch of killers. Like that first tr- Transvae challenge was, was awesome. It was, uh, Foxworthy Farms, Compound Genetics, IC Collective 1 with Diablo, um, Gold seals, red Congolese came in second. Whoa, Congolese? From, who who did that? Yeah, the the red Congo was fire back in the day. Yeah, um, I remember seals, that. Gold, yeah, gold seal put red Congo on the map, and there was like Oh, gold coins. seal, that's yeah. The, a, yeah. So 2010, uh, Durban poison was the strain of the World Cup. So there was Whoa. a bunch of African. So there was a bunch of African turfs for a few years, and then people wanted a variation on that. And like the Congolese started dropping, particularly the Red Congo, which was this this which was a much, in my opinion, like towards the the middle of the decade, Durban's started smelling like Jack. Terror. Big like, time. It is, Big like, time. The, yeah, the, I noticed that. Fade, it had like degraded. The, the the genetics had degraded. They weren't as like that sh- sharp South African like funky cheesy like sweet like not Swiss but some type of like. Wicked expensive cheese knows that like you know that it had been for a couple years. So you know you're at that point. We're at that point. What's let's say 13 through 15 where the where the Durbin's starting to smell like Jack, and then you have uh, you know Red Congo has seen, and it's just like bam, uh, it it was just a a whole another animal brought back the hype. Yeah, and then uh, eventually you saw some other companies. Jump in the mix. Till was first. And then, like, a few other brands just started their whole companies just around the idea of producing Congo. Because one of the things about it, it's like a 12-weeker.
0: So of course. Yeah, it's these it's
1: it's long it's, not as, it's Yeah, it's brutal. So it's not as commercially viable as some of this other stuff, but, but it's so special. I agree. I think that that w uh,
0: Hayes some of these hazes back in the day in, in Santa Cruz, the sil- su- silver haze, super silver haze, they had this uh parmesan uh raciness, really interesting turt profile and Yeah, those-
1: I'm, a, I'm an Argent guy. Like uh I linked up with Arjun for the first time in I met him at Hall of Flowers a couple of years ago, but it was like just in passing. And then, uh, at Span, at Spanibus this year in, in Barcelona, a couple months ago in March, I went to Strain Hunters one night with, um my boy Josh and Chris from Compound and Chris and them, Chris had already started, you know, the collab process with Greenhouse. Uh, so they, we were all just raging over there and I got to kind of, you know, get a real, pro- get a proper intro in. And then when he came to, America for Hall of Flowers. And Hall of Flowers, uh, just to explain that, is like the biggest B2B cannabis show in California now. Uh, Everyone, we'll say 88% of the people that matter are there, and the other 12% are just, you know, hermity people that don't care. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, it it came out of nowhere,
0: too. I feel like it really just bounced in and, and asserted, it's dominant. Well, there
1: was a bunch of people trying. There was a bunch of people trying to do it in the moment, and and uh, they executed the most effectively. That's and, uh, the most effectively. right. And, you know, that's it. it, what? it was, they the B2B. They, the fir- they definitely weren't the first. You no, know no, not at all. But they came in. They came in. You know, maybe like what a year? Uh, no, well, maybe in a, a couple years after the first, uh, and just did it better. So much better.
0: It, it got. Uh, they they improved. I think they were one of the groups that really took feedback to heart and and dialed things and executed and pretty impressive. And they built that connection to So SoCal. I remember the first one I went to was Santa Rosa, but then of course the Southern California market really just that's huge and that event and, really uh, blossomed. And,
1: you know, obviously. The now they have now, you know, the, it's it's separate technically, but a few of the same faces. Uh And then now you get the Green Street facility in uh, Los Angeles, which is it's like a permanent hall. It's almost a permanent Hall of Flowers. It's it's not, you know, it's not technically affiliated, but a bunch of the guys who worked on Hall of Flowers are involved with it. Uh And it's cool to see that that permanent setup. I was uh when they did the Green Street Festival. Uh, the same weekend as the Emerald Cup finals, I was uh, the first person to smoke a blunt on the roof. Oh wow! It was, very, it, was, it was very flattering. Chris, you christened the
0: roof. That's I, I guess I was super cool. Whoa! That's the, that would have been the first thing when I got a building is let's go on the roof. That's <laughs> great. It was great. Well, one thing I, I'm curious about too is this: uh, y- you went to school for journalism. You came. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you have these roots in in the East Bay. Uh, how'd, you, how'd you build that connection with LA Weekly and, and really take on the the cannabis beat in, in, in journalism? And I would love to hear a bit. You you opened the show saying, you know, I do a couple of days at the shop and then I write at night, but I would love to hear about your process and looking over some of your interviews too, just like some really interesting people. And is, is there a specific, uh, you know, type of, process that you that you like or, or just love to hear about your work in the well, journalism I, you know, space.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh well the way I got into it was I was doing I was at the club uh and I was working at a, a big row in the city and I was doing comedy at night in San Francisco for a couple of years and I kind of like my home girl Danielle, my home girls Danielle and Shalene uh they founded the first like legit cannabis staffing company in America, like eight years ago. Uh, and they, so, cool. it was like, you know, at the time it was a big deal, it was a news story. So, David Downs, uh, who was running the East Bay Express stuff, the San Francisco Chronicle has SF Gate, and he was the guy who was running the SF Gate blog, uh, was, was doing an interview with Danielle. You know, it's the first weed staffing company ever. Uh yes. I'm gonna do an interview. It makes perfect sense. So if he's doing an interview, he's like, oh man, I need to I need to get someone to help me sell ads. And I had uh worked with Danielle previously, uh and she was like, Oh, you just need and you know, I was a media guy. I just kinda of had taken I, I the first the first time I got published was in oh eight. And I I was in uh like the Globe and the Chronicle of Higher Education and The Hill, all that before I graduated college. Uh so then I got to California and kind of just decided to like focus on gaming up. Uh, learn as much about the game as possible, I kind of wasn 't thinking much about it and then a few years later uh, and also I graduated in nine the year after all the newspapers closed in the oh wow, so there was this ma- so there was this massive pool of out of work qualified reporters blah 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 so things things in that moment weren 't looking good for Jimmy being a writer because uh, so I, <laughs> <folks> like <laughs> I thought I was like a hot ticket coming out of college, you know, I got all these cool bylines, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, not so much. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, do the weed thing, learn as much as I can. A few years later, so uh, Danielle's doing an interview with David Downs. David Downs is like, man, I need someone to help me sell ads um, for my podcast. And Danielle's like, oh, I need Jimmy. And she, And he was like, oh, okay. So she ends <laughs> up <laughs> introducing me with David. I end up being like the second placement uh, for THC staffing back in, like, 2014, I think the first placement was, like, Quincy Jones' like former assistant or something like that. So, wow. it was silver, you know, it was pretty impressive. Like, if you look up the podium, like, the silver medal looks pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, I end up linking up with David. I'm flipping ads for his podcast. You know, David just tells the people at the Chronicle, hey, this kid's selling a podcast. Like, you want him to... You want him over on the team, and so the the SF Gate guys bring me on. Uh, I sell ads for a couple of years, and then um, crush it because I just knew all because I knew the game so well. And one of the part of it was just knowing who the pretenders were in the cannabis industry, right? Who can actually who sells enough uh product to actually afford these ads like i saw that every morning I, I i saw that every morning i could look at the numbers myself so i had a, i had this like this actual i had this actual representation in front of me of which cannabis companies were successful enough to like take part in the mainstream media because that's what i was offering i was offering like a gateway to mainstream media advertising one of the first ones this is um, a lot of people will say that um the Denver Posts, the cannabis was the first can- uh, cannabis yeah, column. Yeah, Ricardo Baca. Absolutely. Absolute. Yeah. And uh, the first cannabis column by a mainstream paper of record was the Smell the Truth on SF Gate under the San Francisco Hearst Media uh, flagship uh, umbrella. That's the word I'm looking for, excuse me. Uh, and yeah, so the Chronicle had the first mainstream blog. A few years out in, I came in the mix to help sell ads. I sold a bunch of ads. So I sold so many ads. They were like, "Hey Jimmy, you got a degree in journalism? You want to write something, bud?" And I was like, "Heck yeah, I do." And so, I wow. think like the first. I think the first thing back in the day was uh, I did um an edible review for like Choose Love Caramels. It Was like my first byline back, and it was uh you know this L- LGBT uh, owned caramel company from the city was great they were so they were so hyped on it um and then from that i i you know i every now and then i would get like a piece because david was the main guy like david was pumping out content and then eventually like david had his second kid so david was taking the week off <laughs> there you I, was go. Like, I was like jimmy you're up bud <laughs> put me in coach <laughs> I like, right, put me in coach amen uh and so this is like you know, probably 2015. Uh, I end up going to see Gavin speak uh, with Dana Rorvacher at the Continental Club in San Francisco to announce like they we got we just got enough signatures to to get Prop 64 on the ballot. Uh, and I kind of angled all this stuff that um, Gate did for me. Like I I went to the International Cannabis Business Conference and I ran into Ellen Holland for the first time. Uh, who's like the baddest female wee journalist in America that doesn't get enough credit whatsoever and is an absolute murderer? Oh, you got she was on the show. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah,
0: of. she's great. Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, she's amazing. All fandom.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so, anyway, me and Ellen meet at ICBC. She's like, Oh, you want to come write some stuff for us? So I was like, Yeah, sure. Canvas Now, sure. Like, and it was cool. Uh, Cause I don't know, I was I had this weird thing. Like I had I I had done stuff writing for like cannabis sites before, but there's been a few times I end up getting didn't get end up getting paid, uh, and I was like, you know what, this is all a sign that I was supposed to wait for my mainstream opportunities. <laughs> 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 and, you know, so like that was that part of it too. So when I got the opportunity to like to have someone to like you know a real proper cannabis site uh, that wanted me to like do content. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, uh, not that, you know, Gate wasn't, it just, but it wasn't a weed blog. It wasn't like a culture site that like the culture might find its way to by accident, you know? Uh, and so like cannabis now for four years, uh, gave me a platform to, you know, get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and then eventually the pandemic hit, um, they decided they no longer needed my talents. And I went switched, and thankfully SB five was you know a couple months before the pandemic. That was that freelancer law that everyone was freaking out about about Uber and stuff like that. Oh yeah. One so one of the biggest things about SB five was like you could only write so many articles a year and be considered a freelancer anymore. So in the build up to SB five in like December of um twenty nineteen, the owner of LA Weekly, uh was like, Jimmy, what are you gonna do about SB five? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, cry. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. He's like, We're gonna give you a job, buddy, we're gonna make a job for you. <laughs> I was like, Oh my god So I ended up getting <laughs> uh, I ended up getting like on staff at LA Weekly uh just before, and I didn't oh my bad. And I met the whole way I got to LA Weekly in the first place was so I, with, with cannabis now, um, I'm doing mad stuff and uh speaking uh in la the pottery and me and him had done the Sherbinsky sit down uh, a year prior it was kind of the first time uh anyone had sat down with Sherbinsky uh or J- uh jai jiga uh found one of the co-founder of cookies breeder of cookies uh and really dove into like gelato stuff like we knew like about the original meetup when they all uh, had the lab testing and they went over all the phenos at dinner that night and we we knew about all the Mystica cookies but no one had really sat down with either of them and just went like tried point by point by by either of their perspectives uh, so when I did the Shavinsky sit down in that moment like it was, it was super dope so always I wanted to always want to support Mario uh, he was doing a speaking thing in LA I was like all right let's go down to LA and support uh, my boy Sam um, who I met up here in Berkeley. Um, They did this big weed accelerator for young cannabis entrepreneurs in like 2016. It was called Canopy. It started in Boulder, then they did one in the Bay. And Sam was one of the people participating in Canopy. Uh, So when he was up here, I met him. Went down to L.A. He's at the Shabinsky thing. What's up, Jim? Blah, blah, blah. Let me introduce you to Brian. He owns L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Weekly. I was like, oh, sure. And so I was like, you know, hey, how are you, bro? Like just play the cool. One of the things over the years, like I met a lot of cool people doing weed stuff, but like, and they'd always have like, Jimmy, let's do this. Jimmy, let's do that. And like, I had had too much heartbreak to like get attached to anything anymore. And I always said, sure, hit me up. And I just, you know, if you hit me back, so be it. But if you don't, I'm not really gonna. I'm just not gonna cry about it. That was my that was my policy at that point in life because I just had too many. Let's do this. Let's do that. Uh, and so this dude was like, Hey, Jimmy, we want to expand our, re- our weed coverage, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, well, Early weekly wants to hire Jimmy Devine. Sure they do. Sure. All right. Well, I'll forward to the email, you know. Threw that away quick as not to get too emotionally attached. A few months later, I get the email Hey, Jimmy, we're ready to expand our weed coverage. And I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> it's real. Uh, and ended up, I started it. First, I st- started doing like two a week uh and now it's usually it's more of like a word counting than anything now like uh n- like this next week i'll do like my biggest day my biggest weeks of the year are seven ten um four twenty and the best of cannabis issue in November and all of those i'll usually do like five thousand words and i'll split it across two features i'll split it across like a two thousand word feature a fifteen hundred word feature and usually uh a 1500 word product list and that'll always be the numbers i say in my head as i go into it like you know you know what i mean i uh I'm, i write long and that was one one of the reasons i got the job is because i write long uh so it's just <laughs> it's my it's my curse like the 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 deals i'm a, i'm a walking deals and steals i'm a fool but i just you know i just love Making the most out of these platforms that have been given to me, and, and trying to create value for the community, and it's more important than ever to try and spotlight the people doing it right, because so many of them are falling off uh, day by day, and I'm pulling for all of them so hard. Hey Amen. Well,
0: give Thanks for that. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, working on the floor and being on the pulse of of, of the actual point of sale. What are your thoughts on education in the community and, and moving beyond some of these, uh, you know, the, how things are narrowing and how do we open things up again? We we kind of alluded. I kind of wanted to go deeper too about you know th- that red Congolese phenomenon of of like how how that became, even though it's a challenging cultivar, maybe not the most commercially viable strain to grow as a as a farm, it really did inspire and and ignite some some deeper relationship connections to cannabis in the community. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on how do we inspire
1: more of that and can continue that uh, momentum. Well, the main, thing that, the main thing, you know, it's sad to say, but the main thing that inspires these days to go in different directions is saturation. Like people go in those, people, you know, once you hit like 2013 or 14, people were going in different directions because, like, Everyone was growing cookies, bag seed, or OG Kush. You know what I mean? And then yeah, sure. <laughs> so and now we'll have run. Now people, uh, now people don't want to grow as much runs. Now it's like uh, now people don't grow as much purple as they used to, uh, and that's that, the the reason we don't see those things as much as we want to is a they yeah sure they'll kind of run their course like the quality of the genetics, but they also are forced out um, by new. Cooler things. Uh, like, it's funny to hear people talk about. Oh man, I had this back in the day, and it was so good. It really wasn't that good. Like the stuff now is so much better than it was, you know, a few decades ago. And uh, when you know the these random land race F1 hybridizations were, you know, looked like nasty little bushes in people's co- uh, closets. Uh, you know, the, the quality of cannabis uh, we're seeing in this moment, especially uh, produced in Northern California, is just on a whole another level than anything the planet's ever seen wow
0: fantastic yeah it's, it's 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 interesting i think i think in general just more diversity is better in general i i would hope to see more of that more red congolese kind of shaking things up
1: i think it's just to, it comes down to uh you know people it's so tough right now that it's hard to convince the medium to little little size guy uh to do that. And if they are doing it, they're probably doing it the trap grow and bringing it over to the illegal because they only have so <laughs> they only have so many rooms. Uh, they only have so many lights to flower out and the price is bottomed out. So they need to create as much value as those lights as possible. And then eventually you get to a place like big enough where they can do like, you know, dedicate space to pheno hunts. Like, I know a couple, like, there's a bunch of brands, like, uh, the Blueprint, who won the Seconds Olympics. They they drop, I think it's 144 phenos every 60 days. Uh, Interesting. Alien, alien Labs, uh, if you guys want to go check out LA Weekly, this is, I just actually just dropped this the other day. They just did a pheno hunt with um, over 200, I think it was like 220, 210, 220 jars. I went up to Sacramento on Wednesday and uh, I went through all of them myself and smoked my two favorites. It was great. Wow, how cool, how cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah it work. was awesome. It was particularly great, for sure. It's not every, like, there's, like, read journalism sounds super fun, but, like, there's a lot of, like, for every crazy p- party, like, you see me at on Instagram, there's, like, four days sitting by myself, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> reading, reading PDFs and data charts and stuff like that. Uh, but it's great. And then there's those days, like, you know, then there's those days I, get, I you know, do a run. I'll hit three three or four farms in one day. Uh, I love it. It's, it's I'm built for it. Uh, and it's super fun. And I'm thankful as the world uh, has opened, like, because everyone was stuck in the house for two years smoking pot. So, like, a lot of them just, like, people just sitting around smoking weed, wanted to read about what they were smoking. And uh, that really helped my career. So now it's like the world's opening up and getting all these like cool opportunities to go tell new stories and create value for new people that deserve it, and it just—it's so great.
0: It is, it is. It's it's so important to continue the the good works you're doing, man. So good on you, and I commend you on on the ongoing things. And and come to Santa Cruz. Don't be a stranger. Hit us up. I know you awesome. do. I'm no
1: stranger to Santa Cruz. I get down. I was down. Uh, I was down at Fuego Family Finals a few months ago. I got down to can of, I got down to uh can de, creme de canner a few months ago yeah uh, I get down I get down yeah for sure
0: fantastic well, yeah, cruise by anytime it's been a pleasure. this is a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. we're in our last 30 seconds I want to let you have the last word
1: uh for sure well uh thank you guys uh keep an eye out for uh, the tickets go on sale for Trans Bay four in l a in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye out for the stuff I'm writing every week in LA Weekly, and it looks like I'm kind of doing one a month in print for High Times, and those don't always, uh, those take a while to make it to the web. So if you want to see what I'm writing for High Times, just just grab it off a newsstand. Uh, and yeah, super appreciate everybody, and good luck to all the small farmers going through it right now. I'm pulling for all of you. Hey Amen. Big up Santa Cruz. Have a great weekend. Happy holidays.
0: Enjoy yourselves. Be most excellent to each other. I'm Christopher Carr. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio.